when you're really anxious and you're full of panic, you're always overestimating the risk in a situation, but it's only those ones that for some reason you've chosen. What's up, everyone? It's your boy, Danny Lopriori, and welcome to Off the Cuff. You might know me as the guy from the basement yard, Vine, the Lopriori podcast. And while I love to make people laugh, just know that I've struggled with my mental health for most of my life, just like many of you. Here on Off the Cuff, I will be talking with some of the most impactful influencers, athletes, celebrities, entrepreneurs, and mental health experts to have real, unapologetic conversations about mental health and breaking the stigma that surrounds it. This show is for you, and I'm so happy to have you here. Now, let's talk Off the Cuff. Welcome back to Off the Cuff. I'm your host, Danny Lopriori, and today I'm joined by content creator and the creator of Anxiety Fitness, something I cannot wait to talk about, Mr. Peter Rupert. So my producer books uh, people that come to the show. As soon as I saw you and I saw Anxiety Fitness, I said, I need to check this out because I don't know if you know anything about me, but I suffer from panic disorder, general anxiety disorder. I love your stuff that you talk about, exposure therapy. We'll get all into that stuff too, because I'm a big fan of that as well. But the first thing I want to ask is, do you know at what age you kind of started to feel anxious? Was it early in your life, but you kind of ignored it and addressed it later, like in college? I feel like a lot of people, when they go to college, they kind of figure out that like they have anxiety and panic issues. But for you, was it something earlier that transcended or was something that kind of happened to you in that kind of college era of your life? I do have like an earliest memory of when I kind of noticed this like anxiety feeling and I didn't even know what it was at the time. And I just remember, I think it was when I was around, I want to say like six or seven. Mm. And I just, yeah, and it's quite young. And then since then, it's kind of like a realization I had at an age. And then I started just, you know, being anxious about absolutely everything. And I have no idea really what. And yeah, so around six, seven just everything changed. I don't know if this was for you necessarily, but when I got to therapy, that's kind of where like things kind of unfolded of like, I had these kind of acting out periods in my life, you know, and I couldn't really understand what I was feeling in the moment. Cause I just, obviously, you know, it's, uh, I'm 34. How old are you? 26. You're 26. All right. You're, you're a bit younger than me. But, you know, when I was 34, like anxiety and that type of stuff wasn't really talked about much. You were either like crazy or like not. That's like kind of what everybody kind of fell under. Either the kid was crazy or he wasn't crazy. There was no like panic disorder, anxiety type of stuff that was mainstream in terms of the school system. You had to dig deep to find it. But as I got older and I started to reflect back on my life, too, I started to see that a lot of my stuff was linked to anxiety and panic and especially when it came to my school work, I feared that people would think I was stupid. So instead of doing the work, I just avoided the work. I didn't go to class. I didn't want to fail in front of my peers. I was very anxious about it. But in your sense, what was life for you like growing up? Was it kind of something that you could talk about in the household or was it something that you really couldn't really express or you just don't really have the, you know, the knowledge? To express how you're feeling at such a young age. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I started feeling this at a young age, in school specifically, I remember like trying to explain what was going on. And I remember, I don't know if you've ever dealt with depersonalization. I'm sure you felt oh, that experience, yeah. right? Derealization, everything feels fake. And I just remember times where I'd go to the teacher and I'd be like, 
something's wrong because it feels like my head is separated from my body and I, and everything feels weird. And I was like, I don't know. And I just remember the teacher being like, uh, just having no clue. And then mm. at that point I had this realization, like even the grownups don't get what I'm talking about. <laughs> if that That's makes when it sense. gets scary, right? Yeah. Like you literally you go to the grownups and you're like, Hey, um, you know, Oh, I hurt my leg. Oh, no, I'll make you feel better here. And here, take the plaster, whatever. And everything's like safe. But then for me, it's like, Everything that I was worried about, no one really had an answer about it, you know. And I guess with my my parents, I was lucky. You know, my parents, my dad, kind of knew had anxiety when he was young, and so I could relate to him. He was telling me, mm. "Oh, I used to feel like a similar thing when I was younger, and you know, I, I got better with time and stuff." And my mom as well, she maybe you know knew about it less, so I could I would much more relate to like talking to my dad about it than my mom, but. Yeah, it was interesting. It's like, but really getting down to it, not many people knew what was going on or it was really hard to describe it to anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think the hardest thing too, for me, I don't like to speak in like uh, generalities because I feel like we all suffer similar things, but I feel like everyone's different. But for me, it's like, I felt like I talked so much because I was anxious as a kid. Like I could never (laughs) shut the fuck up. Like I would never, I just felt like, constantly anxious like i had to be a part of the conversation because when i would take a step back from the conversation that's when i would kind of have those derealization episodes almost like a drone yeah. like i was almost like outer body experience type yeah. feeling how do you feel like doing stuff like this do you ever get anxious doing stuff like this yeah i do <laughs> i yeah, do like like any kind of like interview or talking to someone but actually now that i've been trying to do this stuff more it's mm-hmm. getting a lot better. And I think that's one of the main things, like the more you, you put yourself in the situation, it, it can get better. I think even just a year or two ago, I had some kind of like interview with someone and I just had a panic attack on the camera screaming for my parents. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. I've had to cancel interviews on here because I've had panic attacks before. Yeah. You know, if I'm having a panic attack and carry it into the show, yeah. you could tell it's not really the best version of yourself. So I know exactly how you're feeling. So it's just, this is a safe space for you. The other thing I wanted to ask you is, you know, living in the constant like state of fear, right? I smile at it now because, you know, it's, I've dealt with it so much. It's almost like laughable at this point, but the constant state of fear, can you explain what your constant state of fear is like? Oh, the constant state of fear. Well, it's interesting because throughout my life, it's been different. So I remember when I was young and it, and I first started experiencing this, it was just like it switched. Every day I just started worrying. Like I remember I just realized that people die. And I was like, yeah. so I'm going to die. And wait a second, but I'm here now and I'm living my life. But one day I will be at the point where I, and this just got a hold of me. And mm. from then on, I was just kind of hyper aware of everything. So it's not necessarily like, I'm scared of that. I'm scared of that. It's like, I'm scared of something and I don't know what it is. And then when something attaches, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That impending doom. I'm wired. Yeah. I'm wired. You don't necessarily know what it is. And then it latches onto things. And then that becomes your obsession for a little bit, or that would become my obsession. So I'd worry about like, I'd have a headache and then I'd be like, that's it. I'm going to die. I'm, I'm having a blood clot or a stroke or something. And then I'd have to wait, you know, a few hours and or a few days. And once that little time would go by, I'd be like, okay, okay, I survived. And I'd have like one second of like a uh, peace until I felt some, ow. 
you know, <laughs> or I found yes. anything else. It's not like I'm searching. It's really hard to describe. Really, I, you know, it's it's just like I couldn't understand how people weren't constantly worried or weren't constantly on edge. That's how I describe it. So when you hear of people like going hiking and doing this and that, I'm like, how can you like be so far away from like a hospital, or how can you be so far away from your home or safety or, or this? Like, how can you just walk? You know, without worrying about the palpitations. It's so funny to hear you say it because it's like we're separated by this huge ocean, right? We live so far away from each other, but we have so many of the same symptoms. It's so amazing to me to see how many people relate to something that they feel nobody else yeah. feels. Like how you just said it. Like, how can people go for a hike? Like, how can they do that? Yeah. You know? And we just assume <laughs> that they don't deal with any anxiety or anything like that. It's yeah. it, there's like levels, right? I have health anxiety, so I constantly think I'm dying all the time. Yeah, but you know that—that's what my biggest thing was. I've said it on here many times, but I went to the emergency room like like ten or twenty nights in a row. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and getting like heart stuff, cat scans, all that stuff. People don't understand how tiring it is to constantly think you're dying. It's horrible. And then you get people that say like, "Oh well, this person actually does have something wrong," and it's like, "No, I know I don't want to have it." And some people think you want to have something wrong because you're coming and going to the emergency room all the time, and they're like, "It almost feels like you do want something wrong." But I guess oh, yeah. yeah, it's not that we'd want it, but I think it's that uncertainty. It's like, oh, if you could explain to me why this is feeling, I would feel ten times better because then I could know how to, what to do. But because we never get any answers, no, we just start going back and back. And I wouldn't wish that on anyone because it's like hell, you know. How many times have you been to the hospital? It sounds pretty similar. Around the end of 2019, I was going, I was in the most constant state of every five minutes, pure panic attack, massive panic attack. I was just laying in bed. And then it got to the point where I called an ambulance, right? Mm -hmm. And after I called that first ambulance and I got them to reassure me, they left. Next day, another ambulance. And it got mm -hmm. to the point where I called an ambulance every single day, I don't know, for like six months. And then if I didn't call them, I got my dad to drive me to the emergency room and I would wait in the emergency room for hours. I remember going there. Sometimes it was a bit quicker, six hours. The, the rest, I would stay overnight and they'd kind of leave me last because they knew, they knew right. me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'll I think I, it must have been like, I don't know how many times, but I literally have upstairs in, in this box, I have every like ambulance record. Like they give you a little oh, bit too. afterwards. Yeah. I have them too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I have them too. I have them too. And I think, I don't know, I must have been, it was more than 20 times, maybe like up to 50 times in like in a year, something like that. I remember it was, they would go and they would say like, oh, you've been here a few times on the record. And yeah, that was probably the, one of the worst times in my life because I... Like if you, you know, if you got to call an ambulance or if you got to go to an emergency room, you have, you think you're dying. Oh you know? yeah. I don't want to go there for no reason. Yeah. I think I want to spend six hours in a room. Like exactly. I'd rather stay home and play video games. Yeah. It wasn't always like, oh, I'm just worried. Let me go check it out. I was like pure panic. Pure like I need emergency help. Something's happening, you know, and when you only have the full panic attack, you get all the tingling, think oh, it's yeah. a stroke. All this stuff, so loads of times. So. It's you know, I don't mean to laugh. It's just like I just yeah. see so much of myself in you. Yeah. So, you know, it's like Same, I've done yeah. it before. I remember like the first panic attack I had, like severe panic attack I ever had. I went yeah. to the hospital like immediately. I was like, yeah. I'm, I'm dying, dude. So I get there and I'm like, listen, I'm dying. They do an EKG. The nurse doesn't really tell me like what the results were. <laughs> yeah, they gave me a shot of liquid Ativan, and like two minutes later, I was like, this was a huge yeah. mistake. 
You know, because yeah. in my mind, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe that I manifested this in my head. Right. So I'm like, oh my gosh, like, you know, I was walking around the hospital after that, like, hey, do you guys yeah. need help with something? Like, I'm just chilling here for like the next yeah. few months. So they let me go home. So, <laughs> but every time I would go, they would always end with, hey, have you ever considered therapy? Mm-hmm. That was the end of like yeah. every hospital visit I had. And I kept putting it off because I was just so convinced that it was me. Like, I'm, dying guys like you guys aren't seeing yeah. it something in me is killing me i always talk about this book i'm not sure if you're familiar with it but it's called uh, mastery of anxiety and panic by david barlow it's a workbook that um yeah. explains the science behind fight or flight that was a huge turning point for me was yeah. learning the science of fight or flight why my hands are tingling why my heart is racing why i'm actually having these physical reactions because people think that it's all the real physical reactions that we're having, we just yeah. have reactive yeah. fight or flight symptoms, you know? So if you've never heard of that book, anyone listening, that book legitimately saved my life. And the hardest thing for me though, too, was I still have issues going out at times. Sometimes I like to go out. Sometimes I don't, but it's all prefaced on how I'm feeling before I go out. I've never been diagnosed with like agoraphobia, but you suffer from agoraphobia, right? You've yeah. been diagnosed with agoraphobia. Yeah, yeah. Tell me what that's like for you. Just I'm like, say you get a text from a couple of friends being like, hey, what's up? We're going out. Do you want to come? So now I'm a lot better. But the thing is, if I'm going to get a text like that, even to this day, it's like I have just a checklist of like precautions. Like I could try if I were to do it, but Mm. it's highly likely I will still have a panic attack. If I'm driving somewhere, to me right now, it's just like, I don't want to have the panic attack. And even though I know why. Because it's the thing is, even when you know how it works, it still happens. And it's still like when it takes over, like you can do some things to make them less likely that it'll take over or whatever. But when you get one that takes over, it just takes over and you're not rational. You don't have that rational thinking to think your way out of it. So you just have to let it happen. And sometimes I'm just like, you know, I really want to go, but this person can't come with me or this person's not available to do this or, you know, because I rely on safety people a lot. My girlfriend basically is like, we do a lot together and to the point where if I'm, she's not coming, I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> That's not the worst thing. That keeps you out of trouble. You know what I'm saying too? You know what I mean? My biggest thing was to, uh, when I was having all like the continuous, just back to back to back ones, I was in therapy, but I remember just my friend invited me to a UFC event in Madison Square Garden. It's 18,000 people. I just told myself, I said, you know what? I'm going to go there. And I'm not saying this is the best advice and the best way to think, but I was like, if I have a heart attack and die in Madison Square Garden, I die. That's the thing that's helped me. What I realized when I was younger as well, whenever I was panicking and stuff, people said, no, you're going to be okay, right? The only times my panic attacks resolved themselves, like a major one, is when I was like, you know, you see, you're staring death in the face. It feels your life flashing before your eyes. I'm sure you had that. It's like, shit, I, I am dying right now. And then at that point, I just go like, there's nothing I can do. And as soon as I go, there's nothing I can do, it starts coming down. I'm like, hold on, I'm not dead yet. And then I start like getting out of it. And then when I realize I'm going to be okay, I get a little, fuck, I'm not good. Oh, <laughs> I yeah, start oh, yeah. again. <laughs> yeah, so it's yeah, like, of course. So it's like the moments you realize that. And I, I did a trip recently. I started doing this thing. I'm trying to make this like these videos. I'm trying to document my experience. So I started this like series where like an agoraphobic abroad where I go mm. traveling. And I had to go on a plane. And I remember the first time I go on a plane, you know, I'm at the airport. I'm crying like crazy. I'm, I literally brought my little brother 
uh, he's like 10 years old. He gave me this, uh, this stitch, right? And, I, and I'm here. I'm at the airport, 26 years old, carrying this stitch because I'm like, if I'm going to die, I want this with me. Anything in that <laughs> moment to make you feel better, you're going to try and exactly. justify it. If that works. And then, so I get in the airport crying like a baby. I'm having a panic attack when I was about to leave. And I was like, my girlfriend was like, she was like, no, just don't give yourself the option to leave. You know, don't give yourself oh, the yeah. option to give up. And I was like, okay, you know what? And I just said, if I'm going to die on the plane, then I'm going to die on the plane. Got on the yeah. plane, freaked out. Plane took off. As soon as that plane took off, and I realized, like, there's no open door now. And I was like, there's, yeah. there's literally nothing I can do. And then at that moment, everything from before, I started, like, relaxing. I started, I got my phone out, and I started playing. And then I look over at my girlfriend. She's looking at me like, angry. Yeah. Person. <laughs> she wasn't mad at me. She wasn't mean, but she was, she was like, all of that, <laughs> all of that drama. And then now you're just relaxing. But that's what I had to go through. Do you see what I mean? Like you said, it's like having an understanding that I think it's so weird. It's so morbid, but it's, it, it's the only way that could, it could get me through like those moments. I'm like, listen, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. There's nothing I can do about it. You know what I mean? And if something yeah. happens, I'm around people. There's enough people around that could try to give me necessary help if it was, you know, really yeah. something catastrophic. You know what I mean? But I'm more comfortable on a plane than I am in a Whole Foods. It's one of those situations where once I started to adopt the mentality that, you know what, if I die, I die, is where I really started to make some kind of progress. You know, kind of having that that exception of like mortality, kind of that anything can happen. Yeah. Odds are it isn't. But having the yeah. comfortability to be like, you know what? If this plane were to crash and blow up, what the fuck am I going to do about it? Exactly. It's a Jedi mind trick is what it is. Yeah. It's like you got to kind of learn those little tricks to get you through. And like I said before, like knowing the science before it, was this the first plane you've ever been on? No, not the first plane I've ever been on because when I was younger, so I guess when I was younger, I had like bad anxiety, but it wasn't like, I didn't get like panic attacks and I could still do things. We'd go on like family holidays and we'd go, cause my mom's from the States. So I'd okay. be going, going over there, like Louisiana. Oh, okay. You got to love your accent down there. That's a wild yeah. accent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's always like, I love, I like it though. Cause people are always so interested, you know, like, where are you from? And I was like, eh. so we used to go, I used to go on planes. I hate, I didn't like it. But then every time, you know, I'd be like scared and I'd be more anxious than the typical kid. But then once we're in the air, I was like, oh, you know, it's pretty cool. And this stuff, yeah, but this after becoming like agoraphobic and getting the panic disorder. And that happened when I was like 22, 23. When that happened, I had to basically, it was like I had to relearn everything. Like a couple of years ago, I was living, I was living outside of home at university. And then next thing I know, I'm back in my parents' house can't even leave the house then i can't even like leave the emergency room it took like a long time but i had to like relearn how to go to the store how to walk oh, yeah. up the road i remember just doing the i'm sure you've done this the, doing the walks the like walks around the block yes like one walk and then go further away yes I used to do that it was so bad like my i used to have my dad sit in the the bathroom while i took a shower because i thought i was gonna yeah. faint in the shower like, uh, I, I, I did the same. I, I had my dad just out. I like waiting by the door. Yeah. And I, I'd go in the shower and, and just be like, bend, make sure my knees are bent so I'm not like, and holding <laughs> on to something. So I'm like, in case I fall. Oh, man. It it's gets the worst bad. feeling in the world, but I have to laugh at it now because it's like, because I laugh at it now because, and I'm sure you probably 
find the same kind of levity in it as well. Because I feel like if we can't find any kind of levity in it, like, what's the point? You yeah, know what I mean? I mean? For, yeah. For me, I like, it's like the worst thing I could ever experience. And it does make me like sad, like not, not sad. Cause I've always been like, the thing is a lot of people associate like things like depression and anxiety. And I know those can happen together, but for me, I, I had have had a, like a stint of depression when it got really bad. But mm-hmm. in most of the time I was, I'm like really happy, even when that stuff was going on. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I'm panicking and freaking out at the time, but I just want to be fine. <laughs> and I just want to enjoy stuff. I play some video games or something. I might get some relief. And I was like, I don't need much to be happy. Right. I can laugh at it. I don't care that I had that suffer through that. Like I would rather have not, but also a lot of that made me who I am now. Yeah, so for I'm sure. not angry at it, but it is like a bit like, it feels like a cruel joke. <laughs> yeah no it is it's it's kind of just a joke that you're pulling on yourself like at random times throughout your life i had a panic attack on my honeymoon so like i'm the happiest version of myself i'm on my honeymoon but i'm driving exactly like the backwoods of italy and then you start thinking like oh i wonder how close a hospital is right now yeah start to do all that's the worst thing ah the health math you start to do all the math in your head and i had a really bad panic attack and then you know i was like you know what I die in Italy, it's kind of, it'll look cool on my Wikipedia page. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? In my head, I'm just like, hey, look, you know, I died in Italy, it's kind of cool. I get you, because I, I do the same thing. But my biggest fear right now is I really struggle with eating. I'm scared of choking. That's my big thing. So I eat very yeah. slow. I have to drink with every bite. Don't think about it, because you don't want to start thinking about that. You get like tense, and it's like, it's just, it's on your mind. And then one of the reasons is because I'm like, that would be so stupid. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to die like that. Like, so, Maybe go and save and saving someone in the building. Yeah, that's fine. But like, come on. I tell people this all the time. You know, I do stand-up comedy, you know, in front of hundreds of people. You know what I mean? And I feel safer on stage than I do like eating a sandwich. Like it's just really weird. It's just like one of those these force fields that we kind of put up in our minds that make sense. I always think about that and I'm like, and this is one of the things I try and do and like reason. And one thing, like, or when someone asks me, like, how do I deal with that? I'll be like, you know, some people don't, they're driving every day, they're doing this, and they're like, but I can't go to the supermarket. But it's like, you drive to the supermarket, but you don't think about, like, how driving is way more dangerous. So you can see how our brains, like, select the things that we're worrying about. And it's like, it's this thing about, like, the reasonable risk of stuff as well, like, when you're really anxious and you're full of panic, you're always overestimating the risk in a situation, but it's only those ones that for some reason you've chosen, unless you're fully agoraphobic, where it's like, it's become like kind of everything for most people. I think it's like, you have your specific things yes. and it's like, even with health anxiety people, when I was health anxious, I had a, a time where I was just focused on health anxiety when I was younger as well. I drove everywhere and I, oh. I, I did everything else. Like, fine but i would just be constantly oh i've got a pain in my leg i'm gonna go have a blood clot and i would believe i'm having a blood clot when i'm like well statistically you know a blood clot's quite rare and there's no reason at this age and this and that and i move around enough but driving the car as much as i was i was way likely more likely to like get in an accident and i got close calls where i had to like swerve sometimes and it's like that didn't phase me it's so funny that you say that too because i would drive myself to the hospital and the entire time I was driving to the hospital, I wasn't anxious because I was like, I have to get to the hospital. Like there's no, there's nothing stopping me. Like I'm going to get there. So like it was learning that I have control. Cause like, even if I'm in a whole foods, right. 
and I'm shopping and I feel like my panic is so bad that I leave the Whole Foods. Like that was my choice. I had control to leave the Whole Foods. We have control over pretty much anything that we do in our lives, realistically. You know what I mean? Except things that are involuntary within our body chemistry. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, I think once we kind of realize that we do have control over how we actually face the anxiety and the panic. That's why I'm a huge fan of exposure therapy. And so are you. I can't die yet because I know that there's so many things I just want to prove to myself. If I would have died five years ago, I would have hated that I was dead. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. If I were to die now, I'd be a little bit happier because I've accomplished more things in my life without it sounding so insanely morbid. You know, I don't want to go anywhere. Yeah. From being suicidal and wanting to take my own life to being like, all right, dude, like I'm going to fly to London and do a theater show there. The acceptance of mortality for me has been more influential than not. You know, a lot of people are just like, Uh, oh, what's the point? Like, we're all going to die anyway. That is the point. Get your ass out there. I remember when I was like at the worst place and uh, I literally couldn't do anything. I just remember being like, there's no way, like I'm too far. Like my, I won't get back to normal. I won't be able to do anything. And if I would have just given up then, you know, I wouldn't be here now where I actually am doing loads of stuff and realizing like at that moment, it's like, there's nothing you can do. Oh, what can I do? Ah, if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And then you get that little inkling of like, okay, well, I can push myself a little further because I don't care if I'm going to die at that point. Even though it comes back later because it's like, as much as I just want to be like, I have no care about dying. You're going to still, you know, even if you, I've had that, I've been like, you know what? I'm just not going to care. And I got in the car and I was like, yeah, I don't care if I die. Oh, but I got the little brother and I got the, (laughs) (laughs) so like, you got to balance it. But I think it is really like a motivating thing. Like for sure, just accepting that and realizing like, you got to take some risk because when you don't take any risk, you're not living at all. And you got to feel those feelings. That's a big one as well. You got to feel those feelings instead of trying to, to not feel them. And I'm talking like, yeah, the, this, the anxiety, you have to feel it. So the big thing as well that changed for me, not just accepting that, but also being like everything I would do, I'd be like, am I going to feel panic and anxious in that situation? Then I'm not going to do it. But now if you give me the choice of two different things, and one is going to make me feel more anxious and scared than the other, then I'm just like, okay, I have to do that one then. Because I like that that one. Yeah, because that one is actually, it's going to feel terrible, but then I'm going to be this much more ahead. And then when it comes again, I won't feel terrible. Like that's the easy one. I like that one. Yeah, I like that one. It's like you give yourself a choice like within a choice. It's like kind of torturing yourself because like, uh, I always got to do hard work. But it's just a good thing. It's the better thing to do then. Because you know that when you take the easy way, that's how you end up going backwards and getting stuck. Do you feel like you're like uh, addicted to certainty? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I talk about that a lot. Like, I need to know the answer behind everything. I don't yeah. get people who are like, oh, I have a headache. I'm just going to take a, a painkiller. What? Why do you have a headache? Like, is there something going on in there? If you just hide the pain, there might be a, something that you're just hiding the reason you're going to die. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. It's like anything, any feeling, everything. You just need to know what is the reason. I need to be certain about it. And when I make decisions the same, I'm like, I need to, I'd like make decisions. Like it takes me eight days to choose a t-shirt to wear because I need to know exactly <laughs> <Yeah>. why, <laughs> you know, what reason. Too. I'm like that too. And it's funny that you say that because it's like, 
you know, we all have individual styles. We all follow trends and shit, but like, it's weird. Like if I don't feel comfortable in my clothes, I'm already anxious when I leave the house. Mm. You know, if I'm anxious before I leave, I have to not be anxious before I leave. If I'm anxious before I leave, shit's fucked up. Like it's bad. That's another trick because when I was doing like exposure therapy as well, I had to do this thing where I had to drive. I had to drive like a a certain place while on the phone with the therapist. And I remember there was a few good stories there. But but I remember like (laughs) there was one day I I hate the heat. I can't handle the heat because, you know, I I don't know if it happens, but for I think for a lot of people, when you get panicked, you get very overheated and you're sweating and and it feels like trapped and, you know, when cold, you can put stuff on. In heat, you can't take it off. And if you've ever been like in a hot car, like when it's, it's just been sitting in the sun and it's like that, I hate that feeling. So I'm like, I don't want to get like trapped in the car. Or I don't want to have a panic attack in the boiling. So I had to drive on this very hot day and I was like, I was already like anxious and feeling terrible. And usually when I would do those drives, I would do it on like the perfect days where like I've made everything, like nothing could stress me out today because I'm, I'm going to do this drive. And I just had a day where I was like, everything went wrong. I was already anxious. And I was like, I don't want to do it today. And she was like, well, this is exactly then the time that we should do it. And it, and I was like, but it's a boiling out there. The car's going to be hot. And I went in there and I did it. Even though, yeah. even awesome. though I had to deal with all this horror of like the heat and the, you know, panicking. And even though I was more uncomfortable, I still managed to do the thing. And then that's where you realize like, oh, even on the days where it's not, good it's not perfect it you still can do it or yeah those are like the biggest like accomplishments and just being like listen like i did this in the worst possible conditions yeah now i'm not saying it's going to cure me but i'm going to be more comfortable now we just fight for slivers of comfort it's like we don't need the whole thing to go away but if i can get it for like 15 minutes to go away so i could act like a normal like human being this is what i'm saying to myself in my mind if i could just get through this conversation with this random person that i'm stuck with at a party i'll be grateful because that used to not be possible for me yeah you know so it's it's all about these these little building blocks it's like you know we we i went from someone that was afraid of his own shadow to like you know, I, I travel around the country and, and, and other countries and do stand up, you know, so it's it's, it's yeah. possible for anyone listening. It's possible, but you really do have to put the work in. It, this isn't something that's just going to be like, oh, yeah, I had a bad month and like uh, it just like kind of went away. Yeah. It's different when you have these disorders, you know, it's just yeah. it, it just becomes so draining. Have you ever had like muscle soreness from your panic attacks? I don't know soreness, but I, I used to get like. You know, the twitch, like when I had a massive one, my leg would actually shake and twitch. Afterwards. Oh, yeah. And then usually I'd just be exhausted, like just completely exhausted from it. Yeah, I felt like I just ran for like yeah, straight, but I didn't even leave my bed. It's the worst feeling in the world. For you, what's the importance of doing things that scare you now? Like how much are you like fully two feet in? Like I want to do something that scares me. Is it something that you do every day? It's something that you try to plan around because we talked about certainty. Yeah. How are you kind of facing day-to-day life now? I'm doing better, but I still got like loads of stuff I got to deal with. And I'm no way like I talk about like staying consistent. I talk always about like putting yourself accountable for like it, but, yeah. but I'm pretty bad. <laughs> I know what I got to do, but actually doing it is a whole nother story. Like, and then there's also like, 
we can talk about like, oh, you just have to do these things to scale every day and this and that. But then when you're, you've got work, you know, just life happens and it's, it can be hard to like stick to it. Yeah, of course. So for me, and half of, half of me saying that is like me just making excuses. And then half of it is like, but you know, it's tough. So I think now I'm trying as much as I can to do things to scare me. And, and one thing I found is for me, booking things in advance, like not to plan about it, but booking things instead of spontaneously doing it, because that way it's kind of, I have to do that. I did a flight last month and, you know, I was like, okay, I did that. And I remember the last time I did a flight before that, I was like, oh, I did a flight. I did a trip. I, you know, I've grown. This is going to be great. I got back two, three months later. I didn't do anything else. I was rewarding myself for doing that flight. And then because I did that, I couldn't even walk down the street to go to the doctor when I had, I was feeling some panic because I just got, I was like, let me reward myself by taking it easy. So now I'm like the last flight I did, I booked another one immediately when I go back for the next month. And then I took that. I'm trying and I definitely am not perfect at it. I do like make excuses all the time. I'll be like, oh, but I'm actually tired when I'm actually scared. (laughs) So I'm just being realistic. I try my best and I can definitely do more. I think transparency in our field is probably the most important thing. Like I'm not here trying to like sell people like this is how you recover. I'm like, no, dude, like I had a panic attack yesterday. Like I'm just letting (laughs) you guys know, like right now, like I'm fucked up, you know, like (laughs) I tell people that all the time. I'm like, I'm happy. Like I'm a beacon of hope for you. Like, you know, if you follow me on social media or something like that, but like, I'll be having some fucked up days you know, <laughs> where I'm afraid to leave my fucking bathroom, dude. Like it, it gets really bad, but I think that's the the way that we could do it. That's what really helps break the stigma is the transparency of it and not really trying to hide our problems, you know, cause you know how it is with dudes. We got to be tough all the time. And, you know, are you an exercise guy? You work out a lot. I try. Uh, I used to be more like I used to spend a lot of time in the gym. I used to do some kickboxing Muay Thai and, yeah. uh, I remember one of the t- reasons I stopped going there is because I had a panic attack <laughs> in one of the lessons. And then after I got into the whole like having panic attacks all the time, I stopped exercising. Yeah. Um, but now I'm getting back. I'm going to the gym like not every day. Mm, I'm trying like four times a week. That's great. Yeah. And that's one of the most important things for me as well. How's like dates? I was like going to dinner and stuff. Is that is that a tough thing for you, or you get are you doing better with that now? I just went on a date with my wife last night. We try to go on a date once a week. You know, sometimes I don't want to fucking go out there though. I'll tell you that right now. I went yesterday on a date, and nice. it's a true true story. I um, you know, I was like, I'm gonna be because I'm not good at I'm not really that good at planning, <laughs> and because yeah, yeah, I'm anxious, I kind of use that as an excuse to let her plan everything, and then so I'm like, okay. You know what? I'm gonna do one. I'm gonna plan something. Let's go to this restaurant. Go to the restaurant, and I'm already feeling like that day because I was so wow. anxious that day. I didn't eat. I didn't eat a lot. And then because I didn't eat a lot, you know, I was too tense. I couldn't eat. And then because I didn't eat a lot, I was already feeling like faint and more shaky and just like. Ugh. So we get to the table. I order the food, and I'm just start eating. I'm just like, I can't swallow anything. I'm too tense. I can't. Yeah. And I was like, let me try and drink something. No, I don't want to. I, I, and then I got my head just, ah, and I, I oh, messed yeah. it up. And I'm just sitting there like, we got to leave. And I just said, we have to go. And yeah, I made, uh, we left. And it was like, I was just afterwards in the, on the way home. I started like just releasing the tension. Yes, absolutely. As I was like, oh, thank God. And I was like, oh, 
why did I do that? Yeah. <laughs> so I know. But uh, sometimes it goes well. How are you feeling though, like today after like dealing with that? You know, because for me, I was a very competitive kid growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I still feel like I'm a fairly competitive person now. So I hate when like I would lose in those situations. You know, I always felt like they were losses. But as long as you learn from it and try to just get a little better at it, yeah. I think that's a better way to look at it. You know what I mean? We beat yeah. ourselves up too much. Like we're not functional members of society. Uh, we're fucking losers. Like how can yeah. I not just like sit at dinner with my girlfriend? It's like there's people that can't even get up and go to the restaurant. Exactly. Yeah. It's tough. As long as you're transparent about it and you let her know and you let your friends know, like, listen, like, you know, because nobody really knows. Nobody really knows unless we tell them. And it's a hard thing for our partners. It's tough on them. I get a lot of comments as well. People like, how do I tell my parents or how do I tell my friends? And I'm like, that I have anxiety. I was like, and I'm like, don't even use the word. Just tell them exactly what you feel like. Because for me, I'm pretty good at not beating myself up about it because, you know, it's been so long and it's happened so many times. I know it's, it's just something that happens. And it's yeah. just something I'm working on. I don't like go, hi, I'm Peter, I have anxiety. But I'm right. like, I'll meet people, we'll talk. And then if they start talking about, oh, we should hang out, do this. I'm just like, I'll be straight up with you. I have trouble doing that. And, you know, this is why. And that immediately will take pressure off everything. And Absolutely. most of the time, I think like, unless you get someone that's been like living under a rock or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, but like, there, most of my people would be like, oh yeah, I totally get it. And I feel at ease. And then, I feel safe, more safe to spend time with that person or to go out somewhere or to be with people, right? So I think 100% if you do that, like, just, there's no shame in it. And I think, like, when you want to hide it, I know it's because it can feel very embarrassing or it can feel, but breaking out of that embarrassment, I think, and just realizing, like, it's nothing to be ashamed about. And the more you're able to talk about it, like, obviously not, not brag of brag about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obviously I know the the anxious person listening is going to be like, yeah, but if I talk about it, people are going to think I'm just it's attention seeking because people, you know, some sure. people might think that I had t- teachers at school, things at university. As soon as I talk about it, they totally understand and they would help, you know? Yeah, so it's, I, I think that's the best thing because now we're getting somewhere. You know, it's exactly. like, oh, so why is that? Now, you know, it's not personal. You know what I mean? It's I wish I could hang out with you all hours of the day. I wish I could. I really wish that I could hang out with you, and not be anxious. You know what I mean? There's exactly. sometimes I'll just be hanging out with my mom, and I'm just like, yo, mom, like I can't really talk to you right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm just I'm fucked yeah. up. Like you got to just like leave yeah. me alone and like let me be for a little bit. And the more yeah. you talk about it, it's like the more they understand. That's how you create safe networks for yourself. Yeah. Safe, you know. So a lot of the times when you bring that shit up the people you think that are going to judge you are going to say that they probably have something similar. It's better to speak up about it. So I was reading uh, in in my notes here, 88% of your followers are female. Yeah. I mean, you're a good looking guy. You know what I mean? You got nice hair. You know what I'm saying? You got, you you know what I mean? That helps. You know what I'm saying? I hope your girlfriend doesn't get mad at me, but that helps. Why do you think that your stuff translates to such a female audience? Because I look at it two ways, right? I could look at it as like, Women use social media more than men, maybe signed. I don't know the statistics on that, but then also it's like, dudes are still dudes. We're still ego driven, like bravado bros. Not everybody has a big following on Instagram. So you can go to like, see who somebody's following. It's like, why do you follow like this mental health page? Like, what's that about? I've been wondering that, like, um, 
Because you're I, I've heard the statistic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't. I wouldn't say that. I'm gonna check mine while yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, check it. it. Yeah, I've heard the statistic like they said women are like have anxiety at double the rate of men or something. So it's uh, but then sense. there's so many reasons that might be that might could be some sexist thing where people diagnose it more in women and like don't take them seriously or something. I don't know, but I was thinking like, dude, I'm full of dudes. Really, I'm 62 percent dudes. I was thinking about it, and so you hear a lot about like, oh, men is meant to be, you know, all tough and not talk about their feelings and stuff. I don't know if I'm like an outlying case, but ever since I was a kid, I always felt just different. I was always very open, always very like crying a lot, always about my emotions. I did not give a care about what people thought about that. Like even in the sports, I didn't play the sports with all the guys and stuff, and right. and then I got into it later. I had my own. Even now, I, I got a comment like, just man up on one of my videos. And I was like, it's such a stupid thing. Because like, if you really want to man up, then cry. Because you're just hiding from. Right. When you're saying man up, you really mean hide from your emotions or just suck it up and don't think about it. That's the easy thing to do. Do you see what I mean? For sure. So for me, it's Absolutely. like man up and cry sometimes because you got to feel these things. The toughest guys I've ever known for different reasons, they were all crybabies. They were, they were just like, yo, like I'm, fu I'm fucked up right now. And I was like, yo, this is like the toughest kid I've ever met yeah. in my life. When you go through stuff, it, it, it gets to you, it breaks you down. You've got to go through stuff and no person, I don't think anyone is like tough enough to just like <clears throat> take it like that unless you're, you're putting it away and that's going to come back later. Well, who knows what kind of explosion that's going to come out into. I've done that before. I put and hid things and tried to suck it up. And then next thing you know, I'm just you know really angry or really like lashing out at people and where does that come from but the people that when you really are like getting through something there's no messing around you, it's tough you're gonna show some emotion it's gonna be hard you know you sure. might cry i'm not saying like go and cry to everyone <laughs> yeah like, no you know, no be but like, like you know allow yourself to do that yeah it's like the permission to do it because there's nothing wrong with any of that i want to have more like of a balanced like audience i think but I appreciate all the women that uh, follow it. <laughs> hey, man. That's, uh, listen, you could have 62% of my dudes anytime. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'll throw some people your way. But before like, I get out of here, I wanted to ask you, what's your definition of anxiety fitness? When I first started and I was getting over the agoraphobia and I started being able to get out the house, I started like taking exercise really seriously. I started like, going on runs, trying to mm -hmm. get some weights in. And it I was going to be doing like, a fitness page. I was like, beat anxiety with fitness. But then it turned into something more where I realized with anxiety, you know, a lot of people are like, how do you cure anxiety? How do you cure it? How do you get rid of it? And I realized, look, you don't cure it. It's not something that you cure because this is just something. It's a feeling, it's a process that happens. And there'll be times in your life where you get more of it. And there'll be times in your life when you get less. When you have disordered anxiety, you just kind of have your base level is really high and it can get up a lot. But oh, yeah. you, everyone, I think, I believe everyone is able to bring that level back down to what we say is a more healthy or normal level. And so it's stay physically fit. I'm saying stay like anxiety fit. It's about learning how to manage those levels to bring them back down to like a more tolerable level not where you get rid of it but where you are you're staying on top of things you're doing the things you need to do to face it you're doing the things you need to do to 
stay healthy with that anxiety, to let it be there as well. I don't believe in like saying, oh, you got to get rid of it. Oh, you shouldn't have it. Oh, it's your enemy. The anxiety is trying to trick you because it's not trying to trick you. It's trying to save you as much as it wants. It's just being way too protective. It's got your back too much. You have to get fit and tell it, hey, I've got it. I can handle this situation. You know, yes. you don't have to be there to protect me this much. You know, if I'm going to run in, into a fire, then maybe come back a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Where do you kind of see yourself in the next month, three months, six months, a year? Is there anything that you really want to do on your list of goals that you just have for yourself in your own anxiety battle not social media wise yeah all that shit's cool and everything you know what i mean like i love social media you know as much as i can but what kind of goals do you have like what what are some aspirations that you have i think for me like my you know my goals in that time would be i want to get to a point where i feel like more confident in, in just myself being able to go places by myself and do things like that. And I also want to do more things like traveling. I really want to meet other people that have like agoraphobia or panic disorders. Like I'd love to come and visit you yeah, <laughs> like listen. in real life. One of the f- great things about internet is we can, you know, do this in real life. It's like no one's around, no one to relate to, but then we find so many people on here. I want to actually say like, okay, I've experienced this anxiety and it stopped me from doing things, but now it's not stopping me. And I can meet other people that felt the same, you know, cause Absolutely. usually we're separated for, so far. It's really true, but I'll hold you. I, listen, I'll hold you to that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in London in October. Oh yeah, man. I could be there easily. All right. I'm, I'm doing the Leicester square theater, October 10th. I'll leave a couple tickets for you. If you want oh, to come, you. it's up to you. It's whatever you <laughs> want to do. Man. And if you don't show up, definitely. I'll understand. Trust me. Oh, definitely. Man. No, yeah, yeah, absolutely. See, that's giving me another goal. There know? it is. <laughs> yeah, I'll be okay. there. Listen, I'll come to you, man. It'll be a lot of fun. There's no goal too small with what we deal with, I feel no. like. There's no exactly. goal. There's no goal too small. It could be like just going to the next room. Yeah, yeah, it's the truth. I ask everybody this question, and I get a lot of amazing answers on it. You know, some of them are quick. Some of them are long. Some of them are are insightful. Some of them are out of left field. But I always ask, are you happy today? Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what I love. I mean, this simple. I'm happier because there's a lot of stuff that I, I want to do, especially at this point of where I am, even though I still got a lot to go, like I still got a lot to work on. I see that as like a good thing. And that just makes me optimistic and happy and proud of what I've done so far and what oh, I can yeah. do next. Love that. A big thing for me, like, too, is uh, every night I, I do these three columns, like between one and 10, I'll do like uh, what my anxiety level for the day was, what my panic level was for the day, and what my depression level was for the day. Yeah. And, like when I first started doing that, like where I was talking about, like, no goals too small, like that's when I really I, I get to ask myself if I'm happy for the day as well as when I do that charting. Like that shit used to be all tens, like 10, 10, 10, yeah. 10. And, and then you start to see it go down. It's like, oh, all right, it's eight, seven, eight. Like that's better than yesterday. You know what I mean? And then you have one of those days where it's like one, one, zero. You're like, this is like the greatest day of my life. I'm so happy. Like this is amazing. <laughs> it's small things that, that make people like us happy. We appreciate kind of the small things. Yeah, I, 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 but uh, also the, the, the next thing is too, is where can everybody find you on the internet? What do you have cooking up? Are there any future projects that we should, uh, you know, be on the lookout. Yeah, oh, yeah, 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 everybody yeah. can find you. Pretty much everything. I'm, I'm just at anxiety underscore fitness. 
I am actually working on a, a project that I'm that I'm pretty passionate about. It's called it's an app I'm working on called Therasize, and it's basically supposed to give you all these therapy tools that you can use like every day, and then you can actually connect to your therapist so they can see all your progress and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. a big thing I'm working on. Very cool. Good for that. You, yeah, therasize.com if you want to check that out. But everything else, anxiety fitness, check out as well my agoraphobic abroad series on youtube that i'm working on because i'm going to be yeah i gotta see that a lot of traveling yeah i just went to greece check it out i think you'll like it i went to greece uh, in the last one and i've just filmed one going to germany there's a few panic attacks in there if you like the entertainment <laughs> i love that <laughs> but I love that. like the anthony bourdain of agoraphobia yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean but again um Listen, man, thank you so much for taking the time and being so transparent and, and telling your story. Listen, I'll see you in October, my man. Oh, absolutely, man. And if you're ever in New York, you give me a buzz. Of course. Guys, please go check out Peter Anxiety underscore fitness. Check out Therasize.com. Check out the YouTube series. What's the name of the YouTube series again? Agoraphobic Abroad. Agrophobic abroad and check us out at one and one OTC everywhere on the internet. This has been off the cuff. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me on another episode of Off the Cuff, presented to you by One and One Life. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and send us some love with a review. And don't forget, we're all in this together and you're never alone. Peace. Fate in it. Tame it. Ah!